You're listening to a not-for-print podcast, independent Australian podcasting. Before we begin, we would like to acknowledge that this podcast is taking place on the land of the Gadigal Wongal people. We pay our respects to elders past and present and acknowledge that sovereignty was never ceded. This always was and always will be Aboriginal land. Now sit back, relax, and get ready for... I'm David James Young, and all my friends are in bar bands, and all my friends are here at the Vanguard in Newtown. Please make some noise. Thank you very, very much for being here. Uh, This is the first time we've done this in a while. So the last time I did a live episode was the 100th episode at the Red Rattler. Was anyone here for that? Oh, yep, a couple people. That That means there's growth. That means there's growth in the brand dependency, which means... Getting more awareness. That's what we want. That's what we want. Uh, two things I didn't realize when we were initially setting this up. I didn't realize that Big Sound would be happening in the same week. So basically anyone in the Australian music industry, the last thing you want to hear right now is musicians talking about themselves. But if you have been at Big Sound and you're now here, God bless you. Uh, also didn't realize that this would be the same night uh well, as Noah's Ark coming back again, but A, that, but B, the night of the grand final. Did, didn't, had absolutely no idea that that was happening. Uh, slight link to that, uh, previous guest of the show, Amy Shark, is performing there, which means technically there are 40,000 people watching live music. Wait, we're, we're not allowed to. Oh, wait, no, wait, there's a football there. It's cool. We're allowed to do that. I don't know if you guys have heard about the plan for Splendor next year, but like, you know, music festivals when you like throw around beach balls and shit, the plan now is we're just going to throw around football. So we're allowed to have music playing at the same time. So yeah, I think ScoMo will be down with it. We just got to make sure that we just keep the ball, literally keep the ball up in the air. Okay. That's, that's the plan we've got going on. All right. By round of applause, who has listened to all my friends are in bar bands before? Fantastic. Very good. Still using the applause as votes system. Who has never listened to an episode of All My Friends Are In Bar Bands? Even better. You took a punt on something. You came out in the pouring rain on a Sunday night, and I am forever indebted to you. Basically, what this is, is about five years ago, I started chatting to friends of mine about what got them into music, what has kept them playing music, and so on and so forth. Just a quick note on technicalities, it's not my birthday, and we started, all my friends are in bar bands, in February 2015, so it's like five and a bit, and also I turned 30 like a few weeks ago. I'm basically, I'm, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, very good, very good. But no, basically I'm just treating it like the Queen's birthday, you know, you know her actual birthday's in like fucking April, and we're just there in June, just being like, fuck Yeah! Like, just treating it like just working on a belated system. That's basically what we're doing. Uh, We are going to be talking through their entire lives in the world of music. Are you guys ready for that? All right. Fan-bloody-tastic. Okay. 
Hi everyone, I'm Debbie James Young and all my friends are in bar bands. Our first guest tonight is the lead singer of the acclaimed Dear Seattle, one of the best rock bands on the Australian circuit. Please welcome Bray Fisher. Oh, they're not there. All right, thanks guys. Good night. Shit! Bray Fish is here! Hello! Hi, I'm Bray. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay. We were it's all chatting upstairs, having a ripper of a time. <laughs> I'm very sorry to have interrupted that. <laughs> well, we can do it here. Oh, pff, I know, right? Our next guest is the pride of Southwest Sydney, an Australian hip-hop veteran, and to date the only guest in bar band's history to be the subject of an Archibald Prize finalist. Please welcome Elfresh the Lion. <laughs> And our final guest is a maths and physics major and an accomplished soccer player who also has managed to find the time to be a beloved ARIA-nominated singer-songwriter because, you know, some people just have it too good. Please welcome Alex the Astronauts. Hi, everybody. Hello. How are we doing? Very well, great. how are you? I'm wonderful, thanks for asking. Great, great, to, great to have you all here and then literally have you all here. That's, <laughs> we're, we're smashing it out of the park. Bray, I'm trying to remember the first time. So we met properly on the Hockey Dad Tour in 2018. Yeah. But I want to see if you remember the first... I don't know if you even... Have you, you've been in Seattle since the start, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So do you remember playing in Ollie Cation's garage in 2014? <laughs> yeah. You yeah. opened a show with like Mowgli and Featherweight Mowgli. and a bunch of other Featherweight, bands. Featherweight, that was the other one. I was yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. And it was the hottest garage I think I've ever yeah, played yeah, I think, in my life. Yeah, yeah, I think a lot, a lot of shirtless hardcore action <laughs> happening in that show. <laughs> that was oh. a turning point. I oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God. And, El, I think the first time I saw you play, this would have been a couple years ago when uh, previous guest of the show, Earthboy, was launching his uh, Past Beats and Sign B record, and you were the national support on that tour. Was that your first, like, big national tour? Uh, no, it wasn't the first big one, uh, but that was probably... I think that was the first tour I did with, with Earthboy. Uh, yeah, we, yeah, we'd yeah. done a few things. Like, I'd, I'd played for The Herd a couple times. Before that, I played with Horace. So I played with the Elephant Tracks fam. Quite a bit here and yeah, there, but yeah, I think yeah. it was the first time I, I got to go around the country with them. Yeah, sick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Alex, this is our first time properly meeting tonight, I think. Actually, you were at, um, you were at Gordy's album launch up the road, weren't you? When she was... We were literally yes. playing... Like, that's, what a, that's what an album launch looks like in 2020. We were literally just sitting in a bar listening to the record on vinyl. Like, just because that's all we could do, right? Yes. That was a weird, weird experience. It was weird. <laughs> <laughs> I liked it, though. Yeah, like, it, it turned out pretty well. Like, what did, what did you do for your, like, album launch? Because, like, it, it came out, like, in the, in the midst of all of that, didn't it? Did you do anything in particular? Yeah, I don't think I did. Yeah. I... Yeah, no, I didn't. I went to um, Broadway. Oh, that's something. <laughs> What'd you get? I had to get some makeup. <laughs> oh, sweet. Hell yeah. Which I just, don't really just, like just, makeup, just, so I don't know nice why Something nice and subtle, or were you going for like kind of like a kiss, Motley Crue kind of thing? It was like... something subtle. And oh, yeah. actually, no, they didn't have what I wanted. Oh, no. So I had to order it online. Oh, what a rough, what a rough day. <laughs> and then I, 
bought cookies. I, oh, not cookies. I bought the ingredients for cookies. Oh, oh yeah, because everyone was baking. You remember that like few months where yeah. it's just like, we, we made banana bread. It's just like, all right, cool. We were doing a docu- a mini documentary thing. Like we, I started doing this thing called Alex Learns where I learn something. Right. And one of the things was learning how to cook because I'm very, very bad at that. And my friend who's a chef, she was like, what do you want to make? And she was like, how about we make Subway cookies? And so that's why I did that. Hell yeah. Yeah. Tight. So How'd it go? Ah, uh, well. Yeah? Yeah, they were good cookies. Oh, that's a plus. You know, I, I think everyone's <laughs> looking at their backup plans, you know, with the kind of industry at the moment. It's just yeah. like, if we all end up a sandwich artist, then so be it, you know. I like sandwiches. I'm <laughs> yeah, okay with that. Exactly. <laughs> you like sandwiches, you're an artist, you can already be a sandwich artist. It's a no-brainer. Absolutely. Perfect. Perfect. So, I begin these by tracing back the initial interest in music, specifically where it changed over from being something that you were maybe watching on TV, listening to on the radio, that sort of thing, to being like, this is what I want to do, I want to sing, I want to make music, I want to be in a band, any of that sort of thing. Like, uh, Bray, we'll start with you. Can you tell us how music kind of factored into your childhood and your upbringing, and if there was any kind of moment for you where it's just like, this is it? I think it pretty much started in terms of my interest in it as like an entertainment form was definitely from my dad when I was young. Just yeah, yeah, yeah. Going on like long car trips and everything. So he worked pretty much like nine to five um, as like IT accountant kind of thing. And so right. he didn't get much time with us as a kid. And mm. so he basically just like every weekend would plan some elaborate camping trip or something like that and just take us. And like such a big part of that was the drive itself. Oh, yeah, totally. So, yeah, 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 he always used to like you know, just put on songs and, like, stare at us until, like, we could sing the whole yeah, song, yeah, like, from yeah, start yeah. to finish with those. be like, oh, well, you don't know it this time, but we're going again next weekend, so. <laughs> um, and so I think that was where I, like, started to become kind of infatuated with it as an entertainment form. Um, but then after that, it was kind of like, okay, growing up, like, starting to get a bit of a taste of my own. And um, unfortunately, I lost him when I was six years old. And um, so basically it was one of those things where I was like, oh shit, now I've got all this like pent up emotion that I need to release and I'm like six years old and I don't even really know how to deal with that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And like it wasn't until I was probably like eight or nine-ish that um, my brother got a guitar. Um, He plays in a band as well in Sydney called Stumps, if anyone knows them. Yeah, so both of us kind of got this, got given this instrument as like a, a form of outlet that we could then turn into music and start creating our own and so I think that was really the turning point of being like okay I've got all this emotion here and such like a close tie to him through music so why not put them both together and start writing my own yeah 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 Elle what about you yeah for me man like I I, so I grew up in a household where we didn't really listen to any music in English right it was oh true yeah it was music in it was like music either in Punjabi or Hindi or like traditional kind of sick worship music so that was kind of like the environment I grew up in. And so when I was a kid, my dad taught me how to play the double which are like Indian hand drums. Right, yeah. Like there's a picture of me in our be- like photo album where like I can't even walk yet, but I got a set of double in front of me. Yeah, <laughs> hell yeah. You know, which is really cool to, to look back on. Um, but then when I got a bit older, my dad actually taught me how to play. And so, uh, you know, that was my first introduction to being a part of music other than as, mm. a, as a listener or as a, you know, it being in the environment around me. Yeah, gotcha, yeah. gotcha. And then hip-hop kind of came in school. And the funny thing about, about hip-hop was like to that point, you know, when I would go to my mates' places and stuff like that, one of my mates particularly, like his mom always had uh, either video hits, had video hits on TV yeah, like, yeah. Every, every Saturday morning, you know, it was just always on. So whenever I was hanging out with him, it was just like all this music in the background. And, 
and he would rush into his room and shoot up the PlayStation, like turn it on, and I'd be like slowly walking in there and just like so fascinated with what was on video yeah, hits, yeah, you know? Yeah. I was like, oh, I just want to kind of sit here for a little bit, and, just like, yeah. and then I'd end up on the PlayStation. But then at some point, I don't know how 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 you got it, but you've always, I think, everyone's got like that friend, that one friend who like manages to just be like doing shit they're probably not supposed to be doing oh, and yeah. like it's really cool like he had a copy of Eminem's Marshall Mothers album when oh, I was in like shit. Year, yeah, yeah, yeah. when I was in year 6 and like you couldn't even buy that from the records like you couldn't buy that from the store yeah, because yeah, it was yeah, locked yeah, yeah. up at Big W, you like you had to get you had to get the Eminem show over the counter. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. man, yeah. That like my 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 sister is here tonight. We had to beg our mom to get the Eminem uh, show, and just like just a sec- yeah, it, it worked. We got it, and we 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 flogged the shit out of it. Uh-huh. But yeah, isn't that funny? Like he went from being like public enemy number one to being like family entertainment. Oh, right, right, right. <laughs> Take mom, dad, and the kids to go see Eminem. Like what the fuck. <laughs> But yeah, we were in year six and he had a copy of the LP, you know, so yeah, like yeah, yeah. when, when he kind of pulled that out, you know, we, we, we would listen to it and it was kind of like I was listening to something that I, I in subconsciously thought I wasn't supposed to be listening to mm. and I think that made it more cool and he, he burnt me a copy of the album, I took it home and just became obsessed with it and then from then on, like, I just listened to so much hip hop, I uh, became so obsessed with it that it just was like, okay, I'm going to start making my own. And Alex, what about you? I really was bad at the recorder in school. Yeah. Um, oh, no one is good at the recorder. It's let, like let's 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 make that perfectly clear. There were kids though that yeah, just yeah, really yeah. took to it, and I was not one of them. <laughs> and I was in the class that had to stay for lunchtime and actually practice like hot crust buns and stuff because oh, I couldn't no. read the music and I couldn't put all the skills together to do it. So I kind of started off with this view that I was very bad at music, right? And then I got a clarinet when I was. I think probably like eight, and that right. was even worse. Oh, God, yeah, because it's just a giant recorder. <laughs> yeah, <adult> yeah. <laughs> with a lot more buttons. And yeah, like yeah, yeah. It's like, more complex, it's like, like things. <laughs> and a reed, like the reed always really hurt my mouth, and I didn't oh, really understand God. it, how to do it. And I, I had never seen Star Wars, and we always did Star Wars in the band. Right, yeah. <laughs> and so some of the kids could, like, actually play it by thinking of how... And I didn't know what it actually sounded like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was never very good. And then I moved to London when I was little, uh, when I was about 10. No, that's a lie. I was nine. I okay. was nine. Fact check. <laughs> Just called yourself out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, citation needed. Yeah. yeah, one of my friends, Connor, he had been playing the guitar and I just wanted to be like Connor. So right. my mum... I've always wanted us to do music and obviously it hadn't gone so well up to that point. So we got the guitar and I just got obsessed and I I had to be stopped from playing it because oh, I was real? a bit addicted and my sister got very upset because <laughs> I would play too much and I think she's still annoyed at me. Yeah. <laughs> from there it just didn't stop and then it was Isn't the piano. Show? She's just like, oh, fucking hell. Yeah, <laughs> like she'd be studying and she'd just be like, stop playing the piano and I'm like sorry Sophie Sophie's very upset and mum would come down and be like mediating and she'd be like you know she's heard a lot of it you've played the same thing like 900 times oh yeah because it just would have been fucking chopsticks yeah we were like oh no it was River Flows in You by Urama oh now we're talking oh that got a pop that got a pop from the crowd thank you (laughs) you can still play it yeah hell yeah (laughs) Bray where did you grow up? Uh, Northern Beaches in yeah, Sydney. Yeah, right, right. So, like, 
very, very easy access to music then. Like, you pretty much over the bridge and you can go to any show pretty much. Yeah, it was... Ever. I think we are definitely lucky to be pretty close to it. But still, like, the Northern Beaches, if anyone's from there around that area or knows that area, it's pretty insular and, like, people don't tend to leave. So yeah, totally. the idea of actually, like, going to the city to go to a gig is, yeah. like, a foreign concept, basically. Totally, yeah. Did, um, you, did you go to the shows at Chatswood Youthy back yeah, in the day? Yeah, yeah. But, that, see, we were super lucky in that sense because I feel like... Well, I don't know. I guess maybe it's just because I'm older. But back then, there were so many youth centres, like Chatswood yeah. Youthy or yeah, like yeah, yeah. Yeah. in, uh, like, French's Forest. It's like, those places were just, like, the birthplace for us because they were the only places you could yeah. play any music. But, yeah, basically any of those sort of places that would just facilitate that sort of stuff. Yeah, definitely. You know? Just let kids jump on stage and... Yeah. Play out of tune guitars. Oh, for it's the best. It's the best. Because <laughs> you need to have those shit shows in order to start playing the good ones, yeah. right? I'm still waiting for the good ones. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Al, you were, you were out in uh, aforementioned Southwest yeah, Sydney. Southwest Sydney. Yes, indeed. Raised. Yeah, 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 yeah. What was the music community like for you when, when you were first like starting to kind of mm. put your name out there? Yeah, it was funny, man, because I, like, I didn't know anybody in music. So, like, yeah. even just learning music, I didn't, f- or how to make my own music, I didn't, I didn't, I, w- I wasn't able to kind of bounce ideas off anybody or jam with anyone. So, it was just literally me in my room teaching myself how to do everything from, you know, production through to like mixing and, and whatnot. So, when I started performing, the first gigs I did was at school, and then it was like, whatever opportunities I could find locally and it was like youth week gigs and stuff like that yeah and initially at that point I didn't even know that there was this is how ignorant it was I didn't know there was other people in my area let alone in Sydney that did hip-hop yeah right because I was just so like insular in my own world yeah 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 and then I did a gig where uh, there there was a gig that happened in Campbelltown regularly called Fisher's Gig which was like a big festival kind of vibe and one year they had like a small hip-hop stage yeah, and that gig kind of just blew my mind because I met like eight other groups doing hip hop, and I was yeah, like, "Yeah, sure. What the hell? There's a community, yeah. you know." <laughs> um, it was the first time I actually saw freestyle rap in person. Oh, like, sick! Yeah, I didn't, and that blew my mind. Like just seeing a couple people, like at that gig, I met so many people who I still, you know, know today, and who I still, you know, jam with nowadays. Like I met True Vibe Nation back then. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I met like that, and then I found out that actually. Becky from True Vibe Nation went to my high school. He was in two, two, he was two grades above me. Right. And so, like years later, I was up. I went up to him and I was like, "Bro, you saw me perform in school. Why the hell didn't you tell me you made rap?" He was like, "Oh, <laughs> I was a bit shy, like back then." So, like it was, it was weird, you know. Like we went to the same school, but it wasn't until years later that I saw him again and he was performing on stage with True Vibe Nation. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. I met Reverse Polarities back then. Daily Meds, like yeah, a yeah, lot yeah. of the Big Village crew were actually there because a lot of them are, were from southwest sydney yeah totally totally yeah, and alex what about you like uh you said you were sydney then london and then back mm-hmm. yeah 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 so i don't know like how old were you when you were in london like you were like, I was 13 or 14 yeah right 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 so you would have just started like paying attention to like pop music and like whatever's on the radio and that sort of stuff like because you're like 25 mm-hmm. yeah 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 so like you would have been like coming up in like kind of like the mid to late 2000s and like seeing stuff kind of kicking off like Arctic Monkeys and Block Party and all that sort of stuff would have been like a boom in, in London at that point. Yes, I think so. I don't remember that. Yeah, I yeah, remember yeah. Damien Leaf having a song. Oh, true. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, way cooler than Arctic Monkeys for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I remember yeah. I had like 10 songs on my, I had like a PSP. And because I was super cool, yeah, uh, and 
I yeah, I had like downloaded. Sorry to any publishers and label people. Yeah. I downloaded legally all the songs onto my PSP. I very legally downloaded. <laughs> very them. legally off iTunes to the Sony system. Um, yeah. <laughs> put all those songs. Yeah. So I I don't know. I I was obsessed with music in that I would play Taylor Swift on guitar and. Yep. I would play anything that was on the radio on guitar. Lily Allen, I think, was a oh, big one. Oh, of course, yeah. That first I record think was that, massive. That was something that I remember, like, um, in the backseat. Like, I remember hearing that in the backseat of my parents' car and being like, ha, 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 ha. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's got a swear a word in it, and naughty, I like that naughty, song. What a naughty words and in like, that record, yeah. Especially London, like, because we were in London, and uh, the song is about seeing, like, two sides of... The, the city, coin yeah, yeah, kind yeah. of thing, and and that I was, I guess, getting to an age where you're going from being a kid to seeing the world around you in a more realistic way, and obviously London's pretty hectic. Yeah, and I started seeing some of the stuff that she was talking about, like as we were driving around. So, like, yeah, that was a bit of a um, music moment for me. And then yeah. I think I tried out for choir. That was like my first thing, and I was a pretty oh, sporty real? kid, and I yeah. was very, very quiet at that time. So. When I walked into the choir, I, like that was that was my first experience of going on stage was doing this like choir thing, and I remember having to stand up in the classroom and sing what was on the board, and there were all like the very confident girls in my year group that right. were at the things, and they were like, "Oh my god, cute Alex is like trying up a choir." <laughs> and I was oh, just like yeah. sweating and like stress, <laughs> and I would have just been like. <laughs> but um, yeah, I didn't get in, and um, I think they let me like go on the stage and like do a second, like they did let me do like a smaller part. All oh, right, and I also tried out for Oliver the musical, and I didn't get in either. Oh no! I actually never got into anything that I tried out for at school. The whole school, I think my last year in school, I tried out for. Maybe the Lion King, and I was feeling pretty confident. And yeah, yeah, no, yeah. no dice. Damn. Um, so yeah, like my experiences in school, I, w- I was never a, in a group of people, kind of similar to you. I didn't know that anyone did music around me. Yeah. I didn't. I didn't see that happening, and I kind of wrote songs on my own. I was obsessed with it on my own, and I loved doing it. But the first kind of times I got opportunities to play songs was like one of my music teachers asked me about it. And then he was really encouraging and got all the kids in our class to play an instrument in my song. So right. he, we, we played my song as a class, Aww. which was massive. Like That's Mr. Buchanan, what a legend. Hey, shout and out. Yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> so like, yeah, for me it wasn't like one thing where I was like, I don't know, I never went to gigs really. I like mm. went with my friends to a festival every now and again and was a little bit naughty and drank alcohol <laughs> and stuff. But Uh-oh. never really like, it wasn't a part of my life in a way of like, I could do that. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've kind of touched on uh, what we're going to be focusing in on next. Oh, do sorry. you? sorry. No, 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 that's, no, it's good. <laughs> You've helped segue. Oh, cool. Yeah. <laughs> You're helping. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember when and where slash how old you were when you performed live for the first time? Bray, how old were you? What are you in, like, year eight? Yeah, right. 13 what? or something? Yeah, was that just by yourself? No, it was It was actually in a band. It was just... We, we had this thing at our school called Pine Stock, which is basically, like, our school concert that was ripping off Woodstock. And it was Hell yeah, dude. 
There was no naked people or anything along those lines. Or even LSD, there was none of that. <laughs> but it was basically one of those things where it's like, you know, any band can kind of just like sign up and they play and there's music all day and like yeah. there's, you know, chip on a stick and all the other good things. Oh man, um, huge. And I played in a band with just a bunch of other kids in my year and we played one song and it was Doodoos and Wattos by Kiss Chasey. Huge song! <laughs> yeah. Huge song! And I still distinctly remember. Thank you, thank you. Oh man. <laughs> Big, big pop for Kiss Chase. I still distinctly remember sitting there playing my um, Orange County Choppers electric guitar. Yeah. Oh, um, what? <laughs> trying to play the lead, which is... Nee, nee. Oh, I yeah. Do, 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 do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just waiting for I your was big sitting moment. There for like, hours just this like... This is it? These three notes and these two <laughs> fingers just have to work. Yeah. Ten times in this one song and then we're good. <laughs> and that was about it. So, yeah, that was my first time. That's, and it, so, it went all right, actually. Like, yeah. not too bad. Did you nail all three notes? I just turned the guitar off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just cut out the middle, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, just, yeah, just thrash away. Like, yeah, completely muted. That's the good shit. Oh, man. L, what about you? How That's hilarious, you? man. Um, yeah, my, mine was at school. Um, and, and thinking about my first gig, I'm just like, the scene I can remember was just outside of the PE block, there was a stage set up. And it was like, for some reason, a really massive, massive stage for performances that <laughs> did not require a stage that yeah, big. Yeah, yeah, like, right. It was huge, man. It was. I'm talking like you had to walk up maybe seven like stairs, and it was like a, a makeshift. Like someone they ordered it in. They spent a lot of money on bringing this stage. Yeah, you had to right. go up, like seven stairs to get on this stage. But there was. I don't think a band played on that stage. Right, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. It was kind of weird. So but it's like, what do I do with all this? Space? Yeah, 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 yeah. So that that was my first show. Was at school, and that was that was cool. And and I remember vividly, like just yeah, reflecting back. Yeah, Becky from True Vibe Nation, his crew standing there watching it, and yeah, like his mates at school watching it, and just a few of my mates watching it. It was real low key. But just hearing your story remind, reminded me of like one of my high school teachers at school. And there's always like those high school teachers that you really remember. Hey, like the ones who who help you like do yeah. your thing. But then there was this other teacher as well who, I think, uh, in you know a previous life he was like just wanting to become a professional musician and um and so like when it came you know days for or nights where you know the school was preparing for for a gig or whatever you know he'd have a set every time there was a show like he would he would put together a band of like staff and students and stuff oh man and I remember a couple couple times he wrote me in and uh, we played Light My Fire one year and he, he got me to do a rap on it. And the, the thing about it that was that I remember, which was so funny, man, because like when we, re- we would rehearse, and this is the thing, like you'd play it at a particular tempo. Yeah. And you'd anticipate maybe this is going to go up like two BPMs or maybe three or four BPMs, like yeah, max, yeah, yeah. you know, like just with adrenaline and shit. And then I remember the, you know, on the day... It being like 10 or 15 BPM oh, faster. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's like, <laughs> it was like, yo, man, how am I going to fit my rap into this? Like, it's just not going to work. God damn. But I was, I was lucky because motherfucking teacher was like, wanted to be a professional musician. His, his guitar amp was like way... You couldn't hear anything else, bro. Like, his right, guitar yeah, yeah, amp yeah. Was, <laughs> was like so loud. And he was just like jamming over the top of everything. So I was like, man, I stuffed up that rap like I think maybe three times. Yeah. But no one knew. You couldn't yeah. hear me. You couldn't hear me. <laughs> You're just turning his amp up behind Totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah totally. So, Alex, no, no luck in the high school musicals, but what do you remember about performing on stage for the first time? I don't know if this is true, but it could be. Oh. <laughs> Fantastic start to 
any, any story. Now um, I need to know what the fuck happened. So I signed up for this. I think it's called Crowbar now. And it was the bold face. Oh, the bold face out. Yeah, up the road. Yeah, in Leichhardt. And I used to be on this email list where I would be sent gigs and you could register to play a set at them. And I'm pretty sure you probably paid the person to play. Which oh, is yeah, yeah. That was the, that a, was definitely the like setup back lot in the of, SAG days. Um, yeah, pyramid schemes oh, going time. on. It, I think it was like a more of a workshop. Like mm. you played a couple of songs and then all the people in the room played a couple of songs and then they reviewed you. Oh, wow. What, like live? Like over the mic and shit? No, they would like fill out like a little piece of paper. I was picturing like an idol sort of thing. No, I would have died. (laughs) Well, that's happening right now as well. (laughs) We're getting judged right now. No, thank you. (laughs) I played my set. One of the songs was Robbie Williams' Let Me Entertain You. Huge song. Um, And I did my very best. I think like I tried to play... I think I played lots of my own songs and yeah I came off and I was very stressed and but I did it and my dad was there and we're sitting at a little table and the people swapped so they'd come up to you and give you your piece of paper yeah and I got my piece of paper this part is definitely true this happened okay it's just as the question of truth is whether this was my actual first gig or not okay right. I haven't just made up this whole story <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, that's reassuring yeah <laughs> but this boy came up and I remember seeing him play and he was quite good at the guitar, but he obviously knew he was good. So it was not very oh. engaging because he was just kind of like, I don't know, showing off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so he came up to me and told me I was very bad at the guitar. Oh. Oh. And he was like, you need to work on being better at performing or something. Like it was <laughs> not very good feedback. It was just mean. <laughs> was it an old teacher? <laughs> <laughs> Is your teacher like an awkward 16-year-old boy? No, he was, he was actually cool. He was actually cool. Yeah. But yeah, so I think that was my first gig. Either it was that or this other one where this guy didn't pay me and yelled at me on the phone because I played too many of my own songs. Oh, in, wow. I think it was in Crow's Nest. Yep. Yeah. That sounds about right. Yeah. It was not... That was not fun. No. Neither of them were fun. No. But I did them. So yeah, that was... Exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. That's it. Uh, so uh, everyone uh, on stage tonight will be performing a song each and Bray is up first. Bray, can you tell us what song you're going to be playing for us? This one's the last song off our record, Don't Let Go. It's called I Keep Dreaming. And it's actually about my dad um, and about losing him and basically... It's kind of interesting now because we haven't been playing shows, but in the last few years, just luckily enough with the band, things have kind of been doing well and we've been getting the opportunity to play in front of lots and lots of people. And it's basically just a song to him about how proud I know he'd be and like how excited he would be if he was here to see it. So yeah. that's basically the, the overall gist of it. Excellent. Well, set, set, let's do I have to do it? Or is it? <laughs> I mean, yeah, if you would play mind. the track now? <laughs> Bray Fisher, everybody. Watching a Pink Floyd documentary Thinking how we're meant to be together But rest assured you're always looking down on me 
Thanks so much, Spray. Incredible. Love that song. I want to talk a little bit about, I guess, the stuff that you guys were doing, I guess, before what you're doing now, like ver- the projects that you are now, quote, like, best known for. So, like, L, like, you said you are doing a bit of stuff in high school. Were you always, like... Under that moniker of El Fresh the Lion? No, no, no. And before I jump, how good is live music, man? Like, oh, I, dude. I've missed that, eh? Like, you can't replace that, that feeling. 
That's a beautiful song, man. After that, I don't song. know. <laughs> um, yeah, no, Thanks. like, I, I think for me, my, my first big dream as a kid was I wanted to be a professional athlete. Oh, for so, real? Like, I wanted to, like, sport was my thing. And, yeah, right. Um, at one point, my first thing was, like, running, and I think I was massively inspired by, you know, Kathy Freeman. And, and I, I remember saying to my dad, like, yeah, I want to be in the Olympics. I want to run. Yeah. And he was like, all right, cool, let's, let's, let's go train. I was like, all right, sweet. And then he took me down to the local park, and he was like, all right, now I just run around the oval. And I was like, yeah, I don't think I want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah, no, it's not for me, you know. And then it was cricket because, you know, I grew up with cousins and, like, a big family, and cricket was the biggest thing. And so, you yeah. know, we, we were super competitive mm. every time we played, and that really pushed me. And so I played competitively for a while as a, as a teenager, as a kid. I, I um, played rep for a number of years, uh, did state trials and stuff like that. And then, yeah, wow. Uh, but between that period of, uh, you know, wanting to uh, kind of be at that tipping point of you're at that age where if you commit, then, you know, you probably got a good shot at it if you work hard enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was at that point that I found music as well. So right. my passion kind of just, just swapped into, into music and I just became obsessed with that. Um, but, you know, outside of music, like, uh, you know, I went to uni and, and one of the jobs I started working while I was at university was at the Street University in Liverpool and, and helped set that place up, which is like a youth centre. Um, and we use hip hop to kind of just do what we do, you know. And, yeah, yeah, and yeah. that introduced me to, you know, youth work, community work. Um, mm. And that's been a huge passion of mine since then. I yeah. was there for about four or five years. I went to live in Melbourne for a couple of years and, and did stuff with Multicultural Victoria and the Asylum Seeker Resource Centre and then mm. came back to, to Sydney and by then music was was doing well enough for me to be able to do that yeah, um, yeah, yeah. on its own. And so, yeah, I still do the, the community stuff here and there, you know, like work with different kids in schools and stuff whenever I can get the opportunity to do so. But, yeah, that's, that's life around music. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Bray, um, can you tell us a bit about, like, some of the bands you were kicking around in before Dear Seattle? <laughs> yeah, funnily enough, I actually just found some old. I don't. Do you know the bands like the Lower um, Pluto? Uh, look, I, I might. <laughs> yeah. Like, okay. the, I, I feel like we're the kind of I kids who would have gone to a lot of the same youthy shows <laughs> yeah. back in the day. Yeah. So, I, I, I <laughs> so I'll just, like see the photo, and I'll just it'll just be me like fucking kicking someone <laughs> yeah. in the corner. It's just like, oh, that was you. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. <laughs> um, no, so I yeah played in bands pretty much like all through high school. That was like. Yeah, that, that uh, Pine Stock Festival was kind of the little first taste, and I was like, I like this. I want to kind of make this a bit more of a real thing. Yeah. And the first band that I was in was again just with like a few, still some of my best mates to this day, and it was called the Lower Pluto. And it, don't look it up. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, can you? Is the MySpace still up? <laughs> Probably. Yeah. <laughs> but the funny thing was, I literally just found some old CDs that were burnt with like handwritten track listings oh, and stuff. Oh, now My mum's this weekend. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, so DIY. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, so was in that band. It was kind of like indie rock-ish style music. Um, and then started getting really into a lot of like instrumental post-rock. Like bands oh, like, for real? Yeah, right. Um, Explosions in the Sky and This Will Destroy You and Caspian and a bunch of yeah. those sorts of bands. Sigur Ross. Um, yeah, of course, yeah. And yeah, just got obsessed with instrumental music and kind of never focused on lyrics at all. And yeah, so we, we changed our name, became a band called A City of... Um, and that was effectively just post-rock it was just ripping off all those bands we were listening to and yeah that kind of led to weirdly enough a lot of like melodic hardcore music um because a lot of 
the instrumentals to that were very cinematic and very yeah, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. atmospheric in that same kind of way. But I guess I just hit my teen angst phase and I was like, oh, that's yeah. enough. I need some guy screaming into the microphone at the same time. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just like, someone uh, needs to yeah. hear about this, yeah, man. Yeah, exactly. So that was kind of where Dear Seattle started because I don't know if many people know, but we actually had an EP and a split release before our self-titled EP, which is kind of where we got a bit more traction. Yeah. Um, and it was like melodic hardcore and we that had was, a screamer Sam in the band. Sam was still singing and, yeah, guys yeah. back then. Yeah. So Sam Baumeister from the band Blue Velvet, the singer of Blue Velvet, if anyone knows that as well. Uh, he used to be the singer of Dear Seattle originally, well, Screamer, I guess. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And so that, yeah, was kind of where that all started and then did a few splits with, or did a split with a band called Fresh Nelson from Melbourne. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A few tours with them and, yeah, that kind of just, like, got us to this point now. Yeah, right, right, right. Alex, were you kicking around at any bands, like, when you mm-hmm. were starting out? No. It's always just been you? Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't really... I didn't really know anyone that did music in school. I didn't. We didn't have any bands. Like I think one of our friends had a band, and that was like the closest thing to me knowing someone. Like I wasn't even really friends with these people. We just knew of one group of boys that had a band. That's yeah, as yeah, close yeah. as I got. Right. Yeah, yeah. 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 When did you actually start playing with other people? Then, like, was that? A while in, because like mm-hmm. you were you were just doing the solo acoustic thing for ages, weren't you? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I I got back to Australia from going to uni in America. Uh huh. And I st- started off doing it solo, and then started having a band. And I had um, Jen Boyce from Ballpark Music. Yeah. Lindy Legend. Morrison from the Go Betweens, and then we had a sub in, which was like one of three people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would kind of rotate to be that third. Mm. multi-instrumentalist and yeah so my introduction to playing group live music was with lindy and lindy is the funnest person to play live with oh my god uh, yeah i can imagine an absolute rock star yeah and has been a proper rock star and so for me like you know i went to america i like studied and did all of these things and then i came back and then i was in this music career and then like yeah my Going on, I, I don't know how to describe. Like one story about Lindy that probably will maybe let you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. We, we're coming back from a gig mm-hmm. in Forster, um, which is four hours away, mm-hmm. and she. I'm trying to think of one of the more appropriate stories because there's some inappropriate ones. <laughs> There's more inappropriate ones that I can't say than the ones that would be appropriate. So this is like... She'd taken the vodka from the rider. And As we you were, do. We were driving back and she had her iPad and she was playing words with friends and she made the tour manager us pull over at a pie shop mm-hmm. and went up to the woman that was serving pies who was not a bartender and asked for a glass of soda water... And the lady was like, I serve pies. Uh, <laughs> no. and, but eventually she did it. Lindy got her soda water with a lemon in it, went to the car. We were in the middle of nowhere, mm-hmm. filled up a bit of vodka, got back in the car and kept playing words with friends. <laughs> Just apropos of nothing. And that's like Lindy's vibe. That is amazing. Like, 
Yeah, so it was interesting for me. Oh, yeah, um, God. Because I was very, like, wide-eyed. I had no idea what was going on at all. And, yeah, so, I don't know. Yeah, that was my that was my. <laughs> that's, a, that's an indoctrination, if I've ever heard yes. one. God damn. Sidebar, uh, my favourite comment on the, the video of your lack of version was... Is that Alex's mum playing drums? <laughs> Lindy hates that. Lindy really hates that. Whoa. And it's funny because she has a daughter that's like five years older than me as well. Or yeah, more, maybe like... And she's like... Oh, she swore at a man on the stage once. We played a gig and they didn't realise that she was the drummer for the band. And he was probably being a bit sexist as well. Mm-hmm. Actually, definitely. Yeah. He was definitely being sexist and ageist. And and he started taking Lindy's drums off the stage after we played. And he was like, you, you're not allowed to be on the stage to Lindy. And Lindy just looked at him and goes, fuck off. <laughs> and that was it. And then like, came backstage. And I was just like... <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, uh, God bless Lindy Morrison. That's incredible. God bless her. Oh, the best. Uh, okay, now I want to know about the first time each of you went out on tour. So, Bray, was it? Did you do anything like in the Sam era of Deer Saddle in terms of like touring and stuff, or was it only when you kind of took over as frontman that you guys started like playing outside of that little Sydney bubble? <laughs> I'm still the backing vocalist. There's oh just yeah, no one yeah else let's singing. be real. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, we, we did a, a fair bit of touring um, when it was the Sam era of the band. It was kind of just like Sydney, Brisbane, Melbourne, really. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And then like a few other places in between, like Wollongong and Newcastle and everything like that. And yeah, like I think the first one we did, or the first most memorable one, was for the Fresh Nelson split. Yeah. Because um, they're a band from Melbourne. And so we did Sydney, Melbourne and Brisbane with them. Um, and then Newcastle. And played in Hombre Records. Do you remember? Oh that yeah, place? yeah, really? yeah, yeah, yeah! What a time! And they let us all crash there afterwards and everything like that. And um, everyone was just drinking heaps and heaps of beers. <laughs> um, and someone decided, yeah, let's get out like the stick and poke and like. Oh the, great! Like, Always a good idea like, when everyone's yeah. munted. Yeah, <laughs> it wasn't even a stick and poke. It was like the dodgiest version or the most budget Aldi version of a tattoo gun you can possibly imagine. <laughs> And, Look, um, I wouldn't be surprised if Aldi did have tattoo guns. Yeah. Like, it's just there next to the Coco Pops and an electric yeah. guitar. It's just like, yeah, all right. I, I'm a tattoo artist now. Yeah. <laughs> Choose your career path. Yeah, exactly. You yeah. Thank you, Aldi. Um, yeah, and so, like, it was just one of those moments where you look at it and you're like, what the hell am I actually doing? You know, I'm, I'm like 18 years old, pissed out of my mind on the floor yeah. of a record store in Newcastle and, like, people are getting tattoos with, like, this <laughs> jank little, like mechanism here that looked yeah, like yeah, yeah. it was covered in everything that you don't want. And yeah. It's a real like crossroads moment, isn't it? You can either just be like, what am I doing with my life? Or you can just be like, hell yeah! yeah. And that, I feel like that's exactly what it was. It was like, it was like, what the hell am I... This is what I'm doing for the next 20 years of my life. How about that? Um, and so yeah, like, that was probably like one of the first experiences that I was like, okay, this is cool. Like, this is something that I could see myself doing regardless of how many people are in the room and all that kind of stuff. Like, yeah, just yeah, yeah. the energy between a few different bands on tour regardless of whether you're playing good shows or not. Totally. It's just, like, it's not like any holiday that you get or anything. No, like, it's, yeah, it's yeah, completely yeah. its own experience. And then when you top that with live music and performances to good venues yeah. later on down the track, like, it's just unbelievable. So, For sure. Yeah. L, who took you out on your first tour? Uh, my first tour, I just turned 21 and man it's a crazy story I, I got to tour across the country with Nas dude crazy yeah 
Yeah, that's real first. casual first talk. Yeah, fuck we, you story. guys were sleeping on the floor at home break too, weren't you? <laughs> <laughs> Skipping each other little stick and pokes. Ooh, we have real touching guns. How do you spell if I ruled the world? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Man, it was crazy. Like, don't I, I have no idea how I got on that tour. Um, <laughs> yeah, like I would I, I hadn't I literally hadn't put out any music uh commercially up until that point. Like I'd just been doing Fully independent releases. Yeah. Was this as Elfresh? Yeah, this yeah, was yeah, as yeah. Elfresh. The crazy thing was, like, it, it was it was Nas, it was Charlie Tuna, it was MC Supernatural and DJ Cuba on that tour. Dude! And, and I was a national know? support. And so I was, like, I was shitting it, to be honest. Oh, Because I was like, yo, what the hell? I can't figure I out why for the life of me. <laughs> but at the same time, my mindset was like, okay, well... You know, every hip-hop artist in the country wants to be on this tour, so, like, I need to respect that and I need to kill it. You know, like, I need, mm. to, I need to prove that, you know, I'm, I'm worthy of being on this stage. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. so it was a crazy tour and because, like, you, I felt that energy everywhere I went. So every city that I went, you know, whether it was sound crew or, or people at the venue or um, people in the crowd, like, you could feel the energy of, like, well, who, are, who is this guy? Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Um, it... it you know, funny story. Like we almost got kicked off the tour because I think in Melbourne, mm. um, the sound engineer like really let us know that he didn't know me and didn't know us and like didn't make our stay like comfortable at all. Oh, and dude. so like um, you know, our, yeah, we had a sound check, but it wasn't a. <laughs> it was a really weird situation. But anyway, there were a lot of rumors after that show that we were you know like trying to raid everybody's um rider like oh, asking God. for drinks like stuff that didn't happen yeah right that the promoter had been told by the venue and then it was like we were almost going to get kicked off tour Good and God. i was like man what the hell like that's some crazy shit but by the time we got to sydney sydney was the last show and the thing i remember super clearly in my mind because it was a really defining moment for me was yeah uh, i was standing side of stage during nasa's set and it was the first time that i could do that the whole tour because every other venue and every other show like we weren't allowed to even be backstage yeah right. so by the sydney show i feel like we earned enough stripes that they let us be yeah, backstage yeah, yeah. It's like, so, all right get in there and plus it was probably the only venue at the end that like there was the end so they had enough space backstage to accommodate for yeah, everybody so course, yeah you know it was the only show i got to be side of stage and, and to watch it and i remember watching nas and you know at that time and still now like he's one of my favorites you know Obviously, like watching yeah. him perform and just being like okay well i want to be in his shoes one day you know, like yeah. this is this is me right now. I haven't I haven't even started my journey yet, and I'm here, and I'm I'm spinning out, and I'm just seeing people in the crowd, knowing all the words and stuff, and I'm like, okay, this is a hometown show. Mm. One day I'm gonna do the M more like that. You Hell know? yeah! Um, a. And so I just put my head down from then, like yeah, let's yeah, do it. dude, fucking a. Alex, what do you remember about the first time you went out on tour? I went on tour with Lisa Mitchell and Dustin Tebbett. Oh, lovely! It oh. was. It was really lovely. They were very nice to me and they looked after me and they made sure that, yeah, that, like I, I felt like going on tour with like big brothers and sisters. Like they were just so good to me and like yeah, they, yeah. I don't know, the tour manager, Marcus, he, he probably, d- he didn't have to at all, but he would come and do the um, sound check with me. And yeah. I didn't know that you had to tune a guitar <laughs> on the stage. Yeah, right. And so he would tell me, how to do it and like I mean I knew like I obviously I played guitar but I didn't understand that you had to keep doing you it on the get, stage yeah, yeah, yeah. and I didn't like that because I 
I was just getting like in a flow of stage banter and stuff and yeah. I really couldn't do it and talk. So oh. he was trying to show me how to do Like they just did things like that where they took the extra time to really make sure that I was like comfortable and stuff and that was massive for me. And like it was it was quite big venues like as well. Like it was uh, – we played the factory which I think I'd only played to maybe like, I don't know, 50 people max. Yeah, Definitely. Yeah. Like, yeah. And this was 800 people. And so, like, when I... In Sydney, I remember... The first show was in Sydney. So, like, all my family and friends were there. And I walked out on stage and I think we, we'd released a couple of songs and one had been played more on Triple J. Yeah. And people were there for the set. Like, yeah. sitting there and stuff. And the room was really full. And I remember just the moment of being like, your time to show off yeah <laughs> like, baby <laughs> and like yeah. check this out down <laughs> down down <laughs> what am I playing there you're tuning oh yeah yeah <laughs> that's not <what> I, <laughs> I was like I don't know that song <laughs> <laughs> you don't know the tuning song <laughs> come on man <laughs> Must be nice. <laughs> uh, it's the big hit. Everyone, everyone's playing it. Yeah. It's like Hallelujah, just been covered hundreds and thousands of times. <laughs> oh God. Uh, L is up next. He's going to perform a song for us. L Fresh. What can you tell us about uh, the track that you're going to be playing for yeah, us? Yeah, this this song is called Strength. It's it's on my album Southwest, which came out in July. It's my personal favorite on the song. I mean, on the album. Yeah. It's pretty much just kind of me reflecting on you know or being inspired by love for my community, love for my city, love for yeah. my area. Um, and just kind of that mindset of you know, you had no choice but to be but to be strong in many ways to, yeah. to kind of persist and, and do what you had to do. So absolutely yeah. awesome. Oh, fresh the line, everybody. Let's do it, man. It's so good to be in front of a crowd <laughs> and not be behind a screen. Looking for the love, where that? I keep the faith like a prayer mat. Every man trying to wrestle, bring the flare back. That's kind of cute. Put that in your handbag. There's always people trying to tell you that you're not. But if they could, they would gladly take your spot. And if they real, they would never take a shot. And on the real, I ain't even made it to the top. Yet, I don't consider this a contest. Even simple things can be complex. They say every stride you make is progress. And I was conditioned to take long steps. Yeah, we advanced the conversation. It's evolution. We started out as cavemen. And when they put out walls, we never caved in. Looking back, it was all preparation. I got strength. I got strength. Yeah. That strength, power in numbers, know what I mean? Do it for my city and I do it for the team. It ain't winning unless we all winning. Yeah. I got nothing but love for how we came up. The mistakes we made is what raised us. Lost friends on the way, still I gave love. Stay strong in my mind, never gave up. Uh, it's the memories I savor. We catch a backhand when we played up. The world's cold and never gave us any favors. That's why when we hold it in our hands, it won't change us. Too many egos on the internet. Thinking they know everything like they the best. 
Let me bench press, get it off my chest I don't give a damn, but they make my mother stress That's a situation you don't wanna mess with No hesitation, that's a death wish Some friends only call when there's a guest list Makes me realize the real ones are precious They give me strength, yeah They give me strength That's right that's strength, power in numbers, know what I mean? Do it for my city and I do it for the team It ain't winning unless we all winning It ain't winning unless we all Hey, only beat I need is a hand clap You can feel the vibe spread like it's anthrax The game full of dead weight like sandbags You better stay in your lane or just stand back You don't want to step on a man's air max that's a sure guarantee to make a man snap And I'm not talking shoes, you get ransacked Cause I move with a pride where the fam at Yeah, I ride for the squad I do a die for the squad I feel alive with the squad Midnight or five in the morning We got the strength to move a lot of weight, Hey, I wonder about the moves I gotta make, Hey, My hunger like a lion salivate Only losers take a break We gon' lose you in the shape We gon' move in the state Making music with that bass Have a treble hit your face Make them tremble in they place I'm a rebel in this race The predator in his chase Leak a better than he race I said it to your face Hey, I don't need no motivation Forever rising, I call it elevation yeah, we cool, but there's no relation Better move to the side, cause your man's is overtaken I'm talking strength, hey We got strength That's right, yeah That's strength, power in numbers, know what I mean? Do it for my city and I do it for the team It ain't winning unless we all winning It ain't winning unless we all winning That's strength, power in numbers, know what I mean? Do it for my city and I do it for the team it ain't winning unless we all winning It ain't winning unless we all winning That's strength, power in numbers, know what I mean? Do it for my city and I do it for the team It ain't winning unless we all winning It ain't winning unless we all winning Thank you Thank fresh Incredible, man oh, Good shit, good shit when you're young and like first getting into music, I feel like we all have this very kind of idealistic view of what music is because like we're all raised on like docos and like rock biopics and all that sort of stuff, and we have this like cliche idea of like success and like the trajectory of a band's career and all that sort of stuff, and like there's always those moments in those sort of like docos or like like movies or biopics or whatever where it's just like. And, and this is the point where they made it, quote-unquote. And, like, it's kind of like this trite and, like, idealistic kind of view of, like, what careers look like. But I feel like every musician in one way, shape, or form has those moments for themselves, whether that's getting to do a certain tour, getting to play music in a certain country, getting to meet a certain person, anything that's, you know, kind of traced back to what they're doing as a musician. Like... For the three of you, uh, what kind of comes to mind when you think about stuff like, you know, the kind of things where it's just like, if teenage me knew I was doing this, like, they wouldn't believe me. Like, Bray, what kind of comes to mind for you for that? Um, I think the first moment that I ever had that feeling was on, uh, I can't remember which tour it was, but I think it might have been the Cut You Deep tour, or even just the EP tour. Yeah. Um, self-titled. It was the first time... We'd finished a song. We finished a song called The Things You Do, which at the end of it has like quite a long, elongated um, like vocal 
I guess, a cappella, but there is like yeah. a bit of vo- uh, bit of guitar in the background. But we were playing at Yaya's in Melbourne, and we stopped, and it was the first show on the tour, and we stopped, and we never used to play that long, drawn-out outro, because we were yeah. just like, okay, well, like, I'm not going to sing just in a microphone. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so we stopped, and we all kind of just like turned around and like started getting ourselves prepped for the next song, and the crowd kept continuing on the rest of the song and finishing off yeah. that. And we all just kind of looked at each other and were like, What? Fuck. Like, <laughs> yes. This this is like that feeling, and so I think that was really for all of us the biggest standout moment of like, okay, this is something that's connecting with other people. It's not just us doing something that we find fun. Like, yeah, this totally. is actually you know taking yeah. that next step a bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Alex, what about you? Like, uh, what kind of comes to mind in terms of like stuff you've been able to do as a musician that you know would it, it would be would be like a big deal for a younger you? I did. A support show with Montaigne at the Metro. That wasn't the big. That w- she's great. That wasn't yeah. not the thing. <laughs> <laughs> but in that show, I hadn't played the song "Not Worth Hiding" before. Oh and, yes, or I, I, I think I had at previous shows, but I hadn't played it to Sydney crowd. And, right. Yeah. And that meant that my parents were in the crowd, and it meant oh, that and lots they, of people and they hadn't heard it. They hadn't heard it. Right. Lots of people that I knew were in the crowd. Everyone knew um, that I was gay, but, yeah, just, I don't know. Hadn't really... I hadn't played a new song and gotten that reaction before. Like, I, right, yeah. I played this song that no one had ever heard and I stood off the mic for about a minute and a half because I got an applause, mm. which was, like, that for me as a kid, like, growing up, I wrote songs in my room to understand the world around me and I kind of tried to just get everything in a way that it could be comprehended by my brain because I just it was just the way I either self-therapized or like self-understood or even learned about everything it became such a huge part of my day-to-day thing and it it I I mean I thought about performing on stage. I thought forward to like, whoa, it would be cool to do that. It would, I would see those biopics and I'd be like, that would be fun. I would love that. Yeah, yeah. But that moment was just a really pure kind of, I put a lot of effort into telling this story mm. and I really wanted to do it in a way that was really truthful and vulnerable and these people really connected with it and understood what I was saying. And like... The fact that, like, I did that in front of my parents and my manager... Like, I don't know if Mel, my man- one of my managers, is in the crowd. Like, everyone came backstage and one of my managers, Bill, cried. And, mm. like, like mm. it was just... It was just such a... We'd worked so hard, kind of... We hadn't released that song yet. It yeah. was going to come out and the plebiscite was going to start and the whole shit show there was going to yeah. be a whole thing. But that was just a moment where I was like, this is the bit I love about music... And it's connecting with people in that instant way, and yeah. Yeah, that's incredible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Elle, what about you? Like, uh, what kind of across your career, like, really kind of stands out as, you know, something that would be gratifying to, like, teenage you? Yeah, man. Like, it's, it, it's such a dope question because, like, I reckon, but for COVID, I, I'd never, like, stopped to even ask myself that question. Yeah. You know, like, I'd been so, like, head down, this is what I want to do and this is where I need to go. And constantly yeah. feeling like I, I hadn't reached where I feel like I want to get to or need to get to. Mm-hmm. And so, like, when COVID hit, it was that cool kind of, I suppose, one of the blessings of, of COVID was, like, you have to kind of stop and 
it just made me sit back and reflect on all those moments. And it's just so many, man, like so many like situations where I'm just like, how did I even get to do some of those things? You know, I think yeah, yeah, yeah. the one that really, one that really stands out to me was, was last year getting to, to be in India for music and, and, you know, being able to, to perform and, and whatnot, like to perform for national TV over there was, was mind blowing at a, on a show where like, the idea of the show that I was on, MTV Hustle, was like trying to find the next rap star from India. And it's like all right. these people from like across the country rapping in their own languages. And I was just mm. like mind blown because like 14-year-old me thought it wasn't cool to speak your own language. Yeah. You know, and here yeah, I yeah. am now like on a stage alongside all these other people who like the whole – like there's 30-plus million people watching that show who were just like – like frothing for music in their language you know and I was just like man like that was never a thing I was even thought was possible back then totally and on that trip I think the the best moment though was like I got to shoot a music video for a song on on the Southwest album called Village Boy Mm. and we haven't put the video out yet but it was the most fun experience I've ever had a musician we shot the video over two days in a rural village in Punjab called Bhagwan Board and how we got there was like the the director, who's a mate of mine from Melbourne, Punjabi guy as well. He'd been shooting a lot of Punjabi uh, hip hop and Punjabi singer like music videos and stuff. So mm. we were he had called like his wife's uncle yeah. who lives in that village to be like, hey, we're gonna come and shoot a music video yeah, in your right. village. Or like, oh, yeah, sweet, yeah. we're we're ready. And that was like a couple months. Before. Then when we, when we got there, like. The whole village was just so happy to have us there. Like, nothing had ever been shot there before. It's, like, mm. an hour and a half out of the main city of Jalanda. And it was just, like... It was almost like the whole village was, like, a, like there just for the shoot in a sense of, like, everyone made themselves available. And yeah. everyone, like, just... It was the best time, man. Like, I would never get an experience like that again. And, you know, I got to take Zig, who's, who was a producer on a Southwest album, and, and Craig, my manager, over. And just to have yeah. them see the world that is my world you know like yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And, and get and them having to see that and like me not having to now have like I don't have to speak to them or explain certain things to them anymore because they've seen that world and they've 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 been in that world with me and you know where you know English was the second language as opposed to being the first language and you know like it was just yeah it was way too much fun like when we was sound checking before I was just sitting here because we were just we just finished the behind the scenes video for it and I was oh, sick, yeah. sending the titles back for for what needed to be to be added to and I'm just yeah. sitting there watching that back again I'm just like man that was such a cool moment man yeah that's really fucking unreal cool. that's so cool man yeah 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 we've all talked about uh, like what motivated you to start playing music you know and that's obviously you know varying across all differently for all three of you but like I'm curious as to you know at this point in your lives do you feel like the motivation to like play music and write songs and, and put yourself out there as, a, as an artist, do, do you feel like the motivation to do that is still the same as it was when you were starting out or do you feel like it's kind of shifted and changed contextually as you've kind of gotten older and put out more music and stuff like that? Like, Bray, like, obviously, you know, you started in high school and, you, you know, even you're not, you're not 30 yet, but, you're like, you've been doing this for a while, you know, like, and, you know, debut album last year, you know, you guys are just kind of on that ascent, you know, you've gotten to do some incredible stuff. And, like, does the motivation still remain the same even if, you know, the operation itself has changed significantly? Yeah, I think, for me, the big thing that I always remind myself and make sure that I keep true to heart with is the fact that 
the experiences that we get to have as a band are completely separate to writing the music and making yeah. the music. And so we never jeopardize the music for an attempt to be able to do something cooler or to, you know, play a bigger festival or, you know, yeah. play bigger rooms and that kind of thing. And so for me, like writing music has always been, I guess, a bit of a like survival mechanism and like as you were saying before, like self therapizing, that kind of thing. Yeah. It's like like if if the words don't mean anything to me, then what's the point of putting it out there? Because it's not yeah. going to mean anything to anyone else. It's like if you're if you're writing something in an attempt to get a reaction out of someone else, and you can't even get a reaction out of yourself, then you know what are you really doing? Because yeah. at the end of the day, if you get success from it, it feels false. And if you don't get success, then you know you find yourself down in the dumps, being like, "Well, I wasted all this time and money making something that no one cares about, and I don't even care about it." Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think. Yeah, the big thing for me has just been, you know, staying true to that in myself and thinking, you know, wh- what do I need? Like, even as you were talking about before with COVID, like, having that time to reflect on all these things, it's like, I, I didn't even realise how much I needed music because it wasn't until it was gone and I couldn't have that outlet that I actually realised that I still use it every day Yeah, to be able to vent these things and get it off my chest and, you know, help myself mentally. And, like... Totally. You know, that, that made me realise after a few months, I was like, shit, you know, this has probably been, like, one of the toughest times of my life. Not even because, yeah. you know, I miss having fun and, like, drinking beers on tour with friends. Yeah. It's like, this is actually, like, something innately inside me that needs to happen so that I can, you know, yeah. feel best about myself. Yeah, 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 yeah. Alex, what about you? Like, do you feel, like, the motivation to kind of put yourself out there, like you, like you said, you know, and kind of continue that method of, you know kind of using your music as self-therapy and all that sort of stuff, do you feel like the motivation to kind of write songs and, and perform is still the same? Yeah, I think it's interesting it changes. Like, I weirdly think of music as, like, a friend that I have grown up with kind of yeah. thing. Like, I've always come back to it and it's always there and it feels, like, even when the re- relationship with it kind of changes, it's still there in its original form kind of way yeah i had a pretty hard year last year and the year before and i kind of stopped writing as much and listening to music as much and yeah i didn't have that same connection and i think with covid the funny thing for me is covid obviously horrible about the whole thing yeah but i have found that it's made me connect back with music a lot Mm. more and found that kind of friendship thing with music, which sounds insane, I understand, um, <laughs> has come back and is, like, like I will now wake up and listen to music, yeah. and I listen to music throughout the day. I write, I practice my, like, songs or whatever, mm-hmm. and, like, yeah, it just doesn't stop. I listen to podcasts, like, and think about how I would write music. Like, yeah. when I'm listening to something that's, not about music, I'm always thinking about it. And when yeah, I yeah, yeah. go for a run, I listen to music and it's like everyone, like I get asked sometimes if I get sick of it and I actually don't in the mm. same way that I don't feel like I get sick of a best friend or something like that. You just, your relationship changes and as you grow, it feels like it grows too and yeah, I don't really know if I've explained it outside of my head and I've probably been in my room for too long. <laughs> but that's kind of the best way that I can say. Yeah, totally, totally. And Elle, what about you? 
Yeah, I feel both of what you guys were saying. Like that's that's dog, and you know, similarity. You feel quite similarly in many respects as well. I think for me, the motivation hasn't changed. Like when I started making music, I remember, or when I started thinking about seriously making music, mm. um, I remember writing down, you know, what some of my my visions were for music, and and one of those that's that I think is the most important for me is that it has to have a strong purpose yeah and the purpose needs to serve not me but needs to serve the community around me yeah that was really really important to me from day one and uh that hasn't changed that that still is is my number one driving purpose a driving motivating factor for music and i feel like not just through i feel like so long as i can i feel like i can do that best through music then i'll stay in music yeah yeah yeah. you know and i think I'll always have a relationship with music. It's, like you said, it's constantly evolving, right? Yeah. Um, but I also feel like I can serve that purpose in other ways too, and you know that are that are related to music and that have come from music. But yeah, right now, and now the motivating factor hasn't changed. Yeah, totally, totally. All right, folks, this is it. I asked this of all of my guests, and now it is your turn. I want to know about the best and worst shows that you have ever played. <laughs> now, feel free to start on either or. You can either have a, a happy ending or a searing, crushing low to go out on. The floor is yours. Bray, we'll start with you. I'll start with... I'll start with best. I like the crushing low at the end. Yeah. <laughs> and then hopefully one That's, of you guys yeah. can end with a nice yeah. uplifting Cla- on. Classic emo band frontman, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, best, I would have to say, like of our own gigs, yeah. was probably on our debut album tour. Um, it was our first sold out show at the corner in Melbourne. Oh, sick! Um, yeah. And I think that was just one of the dates on the tour that we looked at, and we were like, "That is an unfathomable amount of tickets, and there is no way in hell that we're going to be able to sell that out." But yeah. let's just give it a whirl. And then it ended up happening, and it was like that moment at Yaya's again, just tenfold though because Mm. there was just so many people there and like it was still relatively soon after the album had come out and everything and so I just did not expect anywhere near as many people to actually know the lyrics and stuff like that and it just like it just floored us completely for like the exact same way as you said like we've been doing this for so long and like you know we're very used to like playing to backs of people's heads and you know crossed arms at the back of bars and stuff like that and so to you know get to this point is just like really gratifying Mm. and then so Similarly to that, probably Spl- playing Splendor in the Grass was as well another one of those moments. Especially because, like, Splendor, to me, I had never been before and I'd only, it was like a pipe dream. It was like, yeah. not even going to play, but like going to be able to go as a punter yeah, was already yeah, yeah. out of reach. And I was like, Jesus Christ, how's the first time I'm going to Splendor being actually playing it as an artist? Yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, same deal, just like being out there, like midday kind of thing, like one of the early slots in the day, and just like seeing people rock up and like flood down the hill on the main stage and everything. It's just like you just can't put a price tag on that feeling. Yeah, no doubt, no yeah. doubt. And then, so to bring it all down, <laughs> <laughs> that's what we want. Uh, yeah. Give me that crushing low, baby. Um, I reckon probably the worst. And like, thankfully, touch wood, we. I feel like we haven't had that many bad shows, which is very, very nice. Punters may say otherwise, but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was just after the Meadows had kind of been picked up from the EP. It was the first single off that. Yeah. And that was kind of what kickstarted our careers, like proper musicians, I guess, getting played on radio and things like that. And there was a lot of buzz and like our manager had teed up like a bunch of people from different record labels and everything to come along. And I distinctly remember like Dave Ruby Howe coming along from Triple J Unearthed 
and we're all so excited about it, but I was crook as a dog. Oh, no. And we're a supporting band called Balance and Composure, who is also one of our yeah, favorite yeah, yeah. bands Incredible ever band. as a band uh, from the States. And so we opened for them, and I literally could barely speak, let alone sing. Oh, no. And so we were standing up there and, like, had been practicing for yonks and all this kind of stuff, but I was just standing up there going, like, Fuck being sad. <laughs> I'm so, so over it. it. Yeah. <laughs> and you can just see the crowd being like, what the fuck is this band? <laughs> Who it the is, fuck is that guy? <laughs> too avant-garde for its own good, just like mumbling into the microphone. Oh, God. And we got off and our manager sat us down and was just like, yeah, look, that was possibly the worst that could have gone. Um, <laughs> I don't think we'll be hearing from any of those people again. But thankfully, you know, People like Dave Ruby Howe and stuff can see past those things and they understand yeah, yeah, yeah. that that happens to people yeah, and we're all human happen. at the yeah, end of the day. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that was like, it's a huge cringe moment, but yeah, definitely It is worst. what it is, yeah. <laughs> Al, what about you? Well, you guys want me to start with the worst or the best? Uh, look, man, the floor is yours. Like, uh, I'm asking you know the crowd. I'm oh, asking you guys. Go. All want? right. Start with the worst? Okay. All right, man. Well, the worst, worst was actually, yeah, really fucked up situation. Um... It was actually I've spoken about this before. It was it was actually at Splendor, to, uh, and it was uh, the only time I've ever been on stage and been angry. Like being on stage is a place where, like, I you know just doing that before, like, it brings me so much joy. Yeah, man. Even just talking about it now is like making me pissed off again. Oh, but man, like it was yeah. it was it was a situation where I got asked to play at Splendor because um, they had some really weird partnership with Kentucky, which I found out later. Right. Uh, and they were putting on this stage that was like an Indian-themed stage. Uh, yeah, you know where it's going. <laughs> you all know where it's going. This can only end yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, you all know where it's going. But, like, uh, there were a lot of red flags along the process of, like, me actually being on stage that... Uh, I knew were kind of alarm bells, but at the same time, it, I, I saw it as an opportunity to be able to be at Splendor and be uh, able to kind of again prove myself, prove that yeah. I deserve to be on yeah, yeah, yeah. on there uh, as as much as any other artist or musician. Mm. Uh, and so, yeah, they had this this stage, and I remember we had just got there, uh, and we were in uh, the buggy being transported to the stage, and it was like. As soon as we saw it, like my, saw the stage, my blood started to boil because it was oh, like this kind of like outdoor stage, like this octagon thing, and like on the outside they had like these really kind of cheesy, tacky, kind of like mock Bollywood movie posters. Oh no! And they had like henna umbrellas and shit, and they had like the stage was like almost like a page out of like an Aladdin kids book like oh, that was the shape fucked. of stage. god damn and to make it worse like nobody there nobody working the stage or that area was was of south asian background it was all white people so it was like mm-hmm. as soon as i got on stage i was pissed off. like well, as soon as i got there i was pissed off but yeah, it was yeah, the only yeah. time i performed where i was angry and and I, I mentioned it on stage uh and then had to come back the next day and play it again and and mentioned it again on stage ended up you know, having a, a meeting with, with the people from Splendor and the person from Kentucky and, and talking about it. And, you know, thankful to them for hearing me out, you know, like yeah. and hearing what the frustrations was. But I, I, I don't know where it went from there as to whether... The, I haven't been to Splendor since because I've been so too pissed off to go. But, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. whether they still do that stage or not because I know they expressed You'd that they, hope were, not, hey. they were wanting to continue that relationship and still do something similar. So, yeah, yeah I'm not too sure. I'll, maybe I'll find out if I ever go there again. Yeah. <laughs> And then the the best experience I had, I was trying to decide whether it was um, 
Woodford or Womad. I mean, both are like amazing, amazing festivals. Yeah, I want to. Yeah. I probably want to say Woodford because like the experiences around the first time I played Woodford were just amazing. I was there with my band, and not only were our shows like so much fun, like, and it was the. I think it was the first show. Uh, my DJ had been hyping up wanting to crowd surf for such a long time. Right, And, yeah. like, he was just fiending for the opportunity, and he crowd surfed at, at the show. He was in Whitford. Like, <laughs> and at one point, like, he crowd surfed. He, 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 caught a, he got addicted to crowd surfing after that. But <laughs> there was someone who bought – and this is what I love about Whitford. Someone bought a hula hoop. Like in a, As you do. You know, just bought a hula hoop. And they were yeah. holding it up out front, and my DJ was like, oh, man, this is too good to – so he, like, dives through the hula hoop into the crowd. <laughs> <laughs> Hell, Yeah. Um, so that was like an amazing moment but I mean just yeah like around that you know we got to see Hiatus Coyote live who you know we were massive fans of and still are massive fans of and um, we saw a band called Delhi to Dublin play and got up to on stage and and they you know also got people in that band who have Punjabi background in that band and so they had a doll player like which is big massive percussion massive drum and so I got to rap to a doll drum at Woodford like that was really cool it was just an awesome experience, man. That was, yeah, that'll go down as a massive highlight. Yeah, nice, nice. And Alex, what about you? I just wanted to say, I, I saw your name on the poster at Splendor, and I, on my way to Splendor, I didn't see that show, and I'm so, that sounds fucked. But I listened to your music all the way. I, I was my first, I got a ticket through a, a winning a competition, and I went as a punter, and I was so excited because and you were in my you had a lot of songs in my Splendor playlist that I listened to That's in dope. the bus and on the way back and it was funny when you were just playing then I remembered becoming such a big fan of you on those buses and I was like fuck this is amazing because little me was like listening to your music and thinking how much I admired it and then I was like you're sitting on the stage listening to the guy that you admired from Oh, I appreciate like that, that, man. Was, That's love. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if that... Yeah. Thank you. Um, but my worst gig I've ever played, um, I got the opportunity to play with Neil Finn uh, on tour. Oh, yeah. I, I was at that show in Thoreau. Oh, in Thoreau. Thoreau yeah, yeah, was fine. Thoreau yeah. was fine. Uh, cans. It's a little bit not so fine. Um that doesn't sound like cans. <laughs> um, so I I got up on stage and I'd had my little sound check. And the thing about the Neil Finn crowd is it's mostly, I would say, and it could be wrong, 50 to 65-year-old women mm-hmm. who were massive fans of Neil when he was a hot young man. Mm-hmm. And, and he was like, a very hot young man. <laughs> and... I am not Neil Finn, and so they were not there to see me. Ah, yes. And so I went out, and that's like the, the whole gig with, with supports, and that's I'm so fine with that, and I loved it, and I loved the opportunity. I walked out, and I went, hi, I'm Alex the Astronaut. I'm going to play a few songs. And went to start playing, and my guitar wasn't working. And so they already weren't super stoked to see me, and this didn't help at all. And they all had their like um, little like picnic set up because it was an outdoor gig, and they had their like outdoor chairs, and they were just kind of staring at me. And oh, no. I was like, "Oh no!" And I was like, "Sorry, one second, like check the tuner because you know <laughs> my issues with that." <laughs> And, like, it was connected, and but it wasn't going into the thing. And then I turned the tuner on and off, still not connected. And I, like, 
wave to Marcus, my friend from the Lisa Mitchell tour who I told you about before. He was on the stage and he came out and helped me and tried to fix my guitar with me and it wasn't working. And they changed the chords and so he was like, just talk, you talk and we'll fix it. Oh, great. Because they thought it would be like 10 seconds less. It was maybe a minute and a half and it was probably the longest minute and a half of my life. And what I usually do on stage is I plan out my banter. So I have like... I, sorry to anyone that's come to my shows. This is going to ruin the illusion. <laughs> it looks very like, oh, I'm just saying this thing, but it's really specifically planned <laughs> yeah. out. Get a little teleprompter, like... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and so, like, I started just, like, saying my things that were in my stage banter. So, after the really uh, long minute and a half... Oh, you just ran out of shit to say... Well, I ran out of shit to say. I had to start playing. I played the first song, forgot the lyrics of my song. So, because I'd been so stressed and I was talking to all these women who just didn't care about me. (laughs) I was trying to make them laugh and they were... They were fine. They weren't mean to me, but they just didn't care. Yeah. And, and, um, yeah, then I started playing and I forgot the words and I kept playing. When I finished the first song, I had nothing to say because I'd said everything I could think of saying. So it was just like... And I was that stressed that I was... Usually I can just riff and just do my best, but no, no, no. It was silence, so I did a full set of like 10 songs with no speaking. Oh, no. And then I left Sage. I hadn't met Neil Finn yet. And... I was almost crying. I put my guitar off and Neil walked up and like Crowded House is a big band for me growing up. You know, they're very famous. Mm -hmm. And Neil was standing there and he was like, Alex, you did such a good job. Well done. And I just started crying. Uh, (laughs) And Neil is like probably like no... This is not. He's probably the age of my grandpa. Like, right, yeah. and so like he like saw me and like was very like paternal and was like, "Oh, it's okay, Alex." And and I was like, "Yeah, just." And the, so my first experience with meeting Neil Finn was me crying, and I just had that thing, which like honestly it was fine because at the end of the night, like I got to watch them play "Don't Dream It's Over," and I sat on the stage and I watched Heaven. this crowd of fifty-year-old women get their moment. And they stood up the front and they were, they'd had a few too many wines and they were (laughs) on it and they were having a great time and I loved that for them. And yeah, I, so it all came round, but yeah, it was a pretty, pretty bad experience. (laughs) (laughs) Well then what's the best? The best one I think would be the Corner Hotel as well. I, I love that place. It, it's nice. Uh, it doesn't smell very good. Yeah. But that's okay. That's fine. Um, Sorry. <laughs> yeah, it was all you. <laughs> the stench just lingered long after you've left. <laughs> I got to play a show there, I think, yeah, and um, Paul Kelly played, came on and played a few songs with me. So I went down to Melbourne and it was a, song, a show that I'd played out. I planned out quite a lot. Yeah. And, yeah, my banter was... Down to the on point last yeah. word, ready to go. <laughs> Running a tight ship. Running uh, yeah. a really tight ship, and 
Yeah, it's actually recorded on my Spotify. Like, oh, it's real? on my nice. like the tour, and so if you listen to it now, you can see how unplanned it sounds, and it <laughs> should have been a little bit better, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> but anyway, there was a moment in that show where um, I said, um, "Paul Kelly's going to come out and play a, a song with me," and. All my family lives in Melbourne except for my mum and dad and me and my sister. Right. My grandparents and my aunties and uncles all live there. And right. all my, I actually went to school there. I started school in Melbourne. So lots of my other family and extended family all live there. So it's a really nice place. It's probably sometimes more fun for me to play than Sydney. And no offence at all. <laughs> and like Sydney's also really good. I like it as well. Um, <laughs> But, Fair and balanced. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so like, I they were all there. Paul Kelly came on stage. It was just a really nice show. He played the harmonica with me on Happy Song. We played Space Oddity. Oh yeah, sick. Yeah, and I got to go to Paul's house and we to practice songs together. So like, that was just oh. a really special thing. Mm. And like, it was really funny when Paul came out. This boy, because the corner's like really flat, so you can see straight across everyone's head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This quite tall boy, and he saw Paul, and I looked directly into his eyes, and he just goes, "Oh my god!" (laughs) 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 And it was so funny, and I think it's in the recording, or maybe it's burned in my mind. (laughs) It was just so funny, and then yeah, I like I felt really good. Like sometimes you play a show, and you're like, "That was average," and that was a show where I was like. I think I did an okay job and it was it was fun and like yeah. Beautiful. I yeah. love that. Alex will be our last performer for the evening. Do you wanna get up and Oh now, and yeah. Hopefully yeah. this is a good one. Yeah. <laughs> I reckon it will be. I reckon it will be. Uh, we'll let you set up, but in the meantime, could you all please thank our guests, Bray Fisher, El Fresh the Lion, Alex the Astronaut. While Alex is setting up, Bray, yeah, uh, what's what's happening with Seattle? You guys, I saw we're at the Grove. You've uh, yeah been plotting yeah. away on uh, album number two. So yeah, we got pretty lucky with this whole lockdown type situation because we had just finished off doing the national tour with June Routes in yeah, yeah, March, yeah. and God, so that the, was a good tour. Yeah, the last show of that was literally basically the week before they shut up shop. Yeah, with all of the different timing, uh, right? Holy venues. shit. And so we, and that was like the end of our album cycle. And so we basically just bunkered ourselves down for the last like eight months and have finished now writing the next album. And we've locked in recording for January. So pretty much getting around to that. Fantastic. Yeah. Are you, are you, obviously, it's kind of like not an ideal time to be like planning tours or anything like that. But like, yeah. are, are, you, are you kind of like, have you been to any of the kind of sit-down shows that have been happening? Uh, well, yeah, because I was working at Crowbar, and so yeah. like I was doing a few like door shifts and stuff like that to yeah. like help in the meantime and everything. And that was it was so interesting. Like I think it's awesome that we can still actually do something. But yeah, totally. I think you know we don't really have a reason to jump back on stage like right now because yeah, yeah, we yeah. are in that in-between phase. So I figure we'll just ride it out and like hopefully early next year, yeah, we can get something together for the album. Yeah, and stuff nice, like that. nice. So, yeah. Uh, L, you have a new album out. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. baby. Yeah. Uh, if you if you want to know what it's called, you can just look at L's <laughs> chest and uh, he'll yeah. sort you out. Um, yeah, it's an incredible record, man. Thank you, man. That's an absolute pleasure of mine, man. Um, what about you? Like, Do you kind of have any, anything in the works in terms of what you've kind of got set out? Like, you 
got any shows planned or anything? Because I know you've done a few of the live stream things mm. at the moment as well. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I've, I've always got something that I'm working on. And, um, yeah, I think my focus at this point has just been trying to just get better at my craft. You yeah. know, and, and make new songs, make new music. Um, fortunately, didn't get to tour this album, which I would have loved because all those yeah. songs knock live, I reckon. Um, or they, <laughs> I hope they would. Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah. I don't know. I haven't done it, but that'd be cool. So, yeah, we'll figure it out. I think, you know, there's some things we want to do next year. Uh, just, you know, everything's kind of up in the air with COVID. So we yes, just take indeed. it step by step and work it out. Yes, indeed. And Alex, the astronaut has an album out right now. Well, it's out still. Uh, yeah, so it's, by the time you hear this, it will still be out, so you can still go and hear the album. It's called The Theory of Almost Everything? No. Nope. Oh, absolutely nothing? Yeah. It, there we go. Yeah, you nailed it. Yeah. <laughs> took, me a, took me a second, but we got there in the end. It is also a wonderful record. Oh, thank you. You're an absolute pleasure. Uh, so are you going to be playing a song from that for us? Yes, yes. Yes. I'm going to be playing I Think You're Great because I think you guys are great. Oh, well, we think you're great think you're too. Great. <laughs> Alex, the astronaut, everybody. <laughs>
there again and again Cause I think you're That is a fun song. You're a genius. Thank you. Alex, the astronaut, everybody. And keep that going for Bray Fisher, for El Fresh the Lion, to the staff and everyone here working at the Vanguard, to all of you for coming. Thank you so, so much. I'm David James Young, and all my friends are in Barbet. You've just listened to a not-for-print podcast, independent Australian podcasting.